Hi, I'm Wyatt. And I'm Grace. And you're listening to Our Dad and your host of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Vodacy Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore, and I'm really excited today to talk to you. We're going to have a solo episode where I'm going to share with you what I believe are a few key concepts to success. Three things that keep a lot of people poor, and if you're killing it and in growth mode and doing really, really well, my guess is that you're implementing these three things that I want to talk to you about today. And then at the end, I want to tie this into how we can take advantage of what we call separation season. We're going right into the holidays, and this is there are a few times in life, few times every year that we call separation season where you can really gain quite a bit of ground on not only competition, but also on yourself. It's really a time to really accelerate your progress. And we've got a really exciting time right now because not only are we in a separation season for the year with the holidays, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, but also we're seeing a separation season because of one of these markets that we're in. The market is actually in a separation season where we're going into a little bit of a a shifting around market. And these are times where you can really accelerate your progress if you know what you're doing and you're focused. And so we're gonna talk a lot about that today. So the three things that I want to mention to you today to really get in the back of your mind and start thinking about is if you're struggling you're probably not implementing these things. If you're really, like I said, killing it and in growth mode, you're probably implementing these things. And those three things are how leverage really works, how to multiply time, and why new opportunities are keeping you poor and holding you back. And so we're gonna dive into first leverage. So we t- we hear all the time about leverage, right? We all have the same amount of time. And I love Alex Hermosi where he talks about the definition of work. And he says the definition of work is actually output. Whoever has the most output obviously works the hardest. A lot of times we equate to work as just grinding it out and full on effort. Well, Effort is limited. We only have so much time in the day and you can only put in so much physical effort into something. You will run out of time. You can only do so much, put in so much effort. And so I like his definition of Alex's definition of work being outputs because when we start to add on leverage into our into our effort, that effort times the leverage equals more output. We get more output with leverage. And there's really three things that you should be thinking about leveraging. One, is time. Time is one of the hardest things to leverage and one of the things that we take, you know, it's the most finite resource that all of us have, right? We all have the same amount of time and it is getting shorter every single day. And so we've got this finite resource called time and we tend to have a, a lot of a lot of people have a tendency to take that for granted and we it's the least the least resource that we try to leverage i'm going to talk to you about how to multiply time and really leverage time in just a minute and then the other two things that we think about leverage a lot is money how do we leverage our money and then how do we leverage knowledge so time money knowledge are three things that you really should be thinking about how to leverage. And you should not only be leveraging your own time, your own money, and your own knowledge, but then you really need to start compounding that leverage if you wanna see some amazing results and you start to compound other people's time, other people's money, other people's knowledge, and then add that to yours and that cycle just continues and keep fueling that fire. And now all of a sudden, that work, if work equals outputs, now all of a sudden you're a harder worker, right? Not Even if you think you're the hardest worker in the room, somebody else 
can at least match your work effort and your um, the effort you're putting in because they could put in the same amount of time. They could work just as hard, but who's getting the most output? Who's actually working hard and applying leverage and applying other people's time, money, and knowledge? And all of a sudden now that output really, really starts to grow. And so in plain speak, the number of times you do something by how much um, by how much you get out of each time you do it is going to be the ultimate definition of are you a hard worker or not? So now, now that you really understand that, what we have to start to figure out now is how to compound that. And I want to talk to you about the hardest thing to leverage, and that is time. And how do we multiply time? And I never really understood this because I've always understood or always had the belief that, hey, we all have the same amount of time a day. There's nothing any of us can do to get more time. The sky is not going to open up and give us more time. So we have to prioritize what we do with our time. And how do we how do we leverage and prioritize to the right things so that we get the most output and we become a harder worker, right? If work equals output. So what what I started, I heard Rory Vaden talk about this one time and how to multiply time. And it's the only, it was the first time it really clicked for me of how we can leverage different things that we're doing today to give us more time tomorrow. And there's a few ways we do this. One, the, the first time I heard this was, was from Rory, so I wanna give him credit there, and, and where at least for me is where it clicked, was he said, okay, we, when I, if you can do one thing today that will save you time tomorrow on a task that you do over and over again, what, what that, that essentially, that task you did today is essentially going to multiply your time tomorrow because you use your time back. There's a lot of, I'll take it as an example in our masterclass and a process that we follow, right? We're, we have a process that we follow when we invest in short-term rentals. Well, I've been doing this for 16 years now, full-time investing for 22 years, started getting into the short-term rental game you know, about 16 years ago, started, didn't even teach it until we had like 13 years of knowledge in this game. But what I did over that time is through that process, as we refined the process, as we made mistakes, as we had to iterate and we made some changes, we built these tools. And so I have all these tools that I use now. And those tools, essentially, they took me a long time to build, but they were, I was building them because like, for example, on underwriting a property or underwriting a market, I do the same tasks over and over and over again. And so I built a tool that I could copy and paste certain data points and it would spit out and give me an output or a result that I was looking for by putting in those in those inputs, I would get a certain output. Well, that tool took me a little while to build. It took me a lot longer to build than it takes me to do an individual analysis or an individual underwriting deal. But I've used it now thousands and thousands of times as I underwrite deals. And so that, that one task that I did to build these tools that made my process of analyzing deals easier down the line has saved me how many, I don't know how many hundreds of hours or thousands of hours at this point. And so that gave me and multiplied my time. Another way you can multiply your time is finding somebody that has done, done the task that you're already trying to learn, right? If you're learning a new task or you're running down a new road, find somebody who's been there because that can compress time, that can shorten time, that can multiply your time because you're gonna leverage their knowledge to help you save time. So those are some examples of how you can multiply time and really use leverage to your advantage as well. There's many, many areas in your life that you could leverage other people's time, money, and knowledge, right? Somebody put in the time and they've got the knowledge, 
you can tap into that. Sometimes that might cost you some money, but if it saves you a lot of time and you add to your knowledge, is it worth it if you get the results and you now have more output for the effort you're putting in? I would say yes. I will do that all day, every day. I spend a small fortune on those types of things every single year and mentors and guides to help me in a process that may seem obvious, maybe an obvious process, but it wasn't obvious to me, right? People pay us inside of our mentorship program to, to what seems like an obvious process for us because we've done it so many times, but it's not obvious to them. So they're willing to pay to compress time and, and leverage that knowledge and, and be able to progress and accelerate faster toward their goals. So now, Here's the most important concept that I want you, I hope you take away from today. Outside of leverage, outside of understanding how to multiply your time, I want you to understand why new opportunities are making or keeping you poor or definitely holding you back from your, your best option and your best self. And this may seem odd and counterproductive for me to talk about because maybe short-term rentals are a new opportunity for you. And if they are, I'm not saying that you don't ever take on new opportunities. What I'm saying is, New opportunities are everywhere, and we have a tendency in all of us do it, myself included, we have a tendency to look at that new shiny object, right? We all, we've all done it before. We all think, okay, I kind of like that opportunity better than the road I'm on, right? The grass is greener on the other side. It's that same concept of every time we're doing, who, who was a, do you have a friend that you've talked to or a colleague or somebody that's doing really well in something? Maybe they invested in something and maybe it was crypto in the last year. Now, now, now not so much, but um, maybe it was, maybe it was short-term rentals. Maybe it was something, maybe you talked to somebody that was doing that. Maybe it was something completely unrelated and somebody was investing in gold. I'm just kind of talking about investment vehicles right now. Maybe it was multifamily properties. And whenever they're telling you about it, you it sounds really, really good. And we, I want to introduce you to this process. And if you're watching this on YouTube, I'll post a graph. If you're listening to it on the podcast, then imagine an, uh, a U-shaped curve, right? And in the very beginning of it, on one axis line, it's a graph. One axis line is time. And so, uh, or excuse me, is, is uh, optimism and pessimism. So on the top, your attitude is really optimistic as that as is it drops down the line it gets becomes very much pessimistic so so you got optimism pessimism on one side of the line and then the other the bottom line of the graph is time so as time goes on our optimism and pessimism fades in the very beginning so this is called the emotional cycle of change the reason i want to share this with you guys is any time you go through anything new i don't care what it is a new fitness routine joining a new church buying a new investment property Anything you're doing new, you're going to go through the emotional cycle of change. It's it's not a matter of if you're going to, it's when you do it, when you choose something new. And this is why people stay poor. And I'm going to go through this cycle of change so that you start to recognize that next time you go through anything new or you take on a new challenge. And what my goal is for you is if you know the path and you know what you're, what you're going to be going through and you're, the emotions that you're going to go through as you go through this change, that you can hopefully accelerate through it faster rather than sitting in this, sitting in the, the negativity as long as most people do and then they end up giving up. So the very first stage is a five-stage process. The very first stage is called uninformed optimism. Uninformed optimism is when you're very, very optimistic. It's the first time you heard of this new opportunity. It sounds amazing. Here you can see all the benefits of doing this. It is a brand new thing. This is when the peers are, you're seeing, all you're seeing is success, right? You haven't started it. All you're hearing are all the great things about it. 
So you decide, I'm going to run down that road. That new opportunity sounds way better than what I'm doing right now because maybe what you're doing right now, you're a little further down this line. Well, then you start to do some of the things. And this is when your optimism starts to fade. And this starts to become into what we call informed pessimism. And now the emotional cycle of change, I can't remember the uh, psychologist that put this together. I apologize. But this has been around for a long time. You can Google it as well if you want to see the graph. Informed pessimism starts to sit. And this is where you're saying to yourself, you know, I'm not sure, quite sure that I want to do this. You know, this is a little more work than I thought. It's not quite what I had in mind. This sounded a lot better than, than what I thought. And, and doubt starts to creep in a little bit. And you're saying, I don't know if I really want to run down this road. We're starting to get less optimistic and start to see, and the, the pages of the book are starting to open up and we see start to realize, okay, there's some work to be done here, right? If I want to do this, I'm going to have to figure out something new, right? This is, this is a little uncomfortable. Then, we continue down that road, more time goes by, and we go into the valley of despair. And what the valley of despair is where you're doing some of the work and it's not really quite working yet, right? You're putting in the work and the effort, you're putting in the effort, our output we're not really realizing. And this is where fear and doubt start to really creep in. This is where a lot of people own their current level of comfort rather than they, more than they own what they say they want, right? You know, this is where you start to see if you're truly committed to the results that you want. The pain of the changes felt, the benefits seem really far away and really unimportant at this stage. And the quickest way to end this discomfort for most people is to quit. It's to go back to their current situation and do the things the way they, they were doing before. And ultimately, the change that before that change was introduced, and ultimately, they go back to stage one. And so this is where, when I say new opportunities keep most people poor, they start off really excited, they start to realize the work, they get it in the valley of despair, and they throw in the towel, and they go back to square one, and they repeat this process and repeat this cycle over and over again, and they don't ever really see any success because they didn't stick with it long enough, right? So if you quit here, you're going to end up back in the, at the beginning, but if you pers persevere, if you continue, if you keep running down that road and start making that change, keep putting in the work, you start to you start to get past that value of despair and you start to get into that stage what we call hopeful realism. And this is where you start to get it. This is where things start to click and you start to realize some of the results, not all of them, you're not at the end game, but you start to see some of the results and you start to see say to yourself, hey, this might actually work. You know, I'm, I'm starting to bear the fruit of my labors here and the cost of change is starting to feel a little bit more worth it for you. The key here is to not to stop. You already made it through the toughest part, the value of despair. Now you're starting to get into that, in that hopeful realism. And then what we get into is informed optimism and then ultimately success. And informed optimism is when you really take ownership of everything you've done. You're starting to see the results. You feel great because you stuck with the program, even through the painful parts. And you started to see that what this life would be like on the other end, on this other side. Maybe it wasn't exactly what you thought it was going to be like. Most of the time, it's actually better because you actually put in the work and you realize the results. You've accomplished your goals the right way. You stuck with them the right way. You put in the work and were committed to making the change. Here, the benefits of your new behavior are fully experienced and the cost of change is that, that you decided to go through is now perceived to be worth it to you, right? The actions that were once difficult for you and very uncomfortable for you are now routine and you've learned this new habit because it's be, this change has become a habit and all of a sudden you're, you're off to the races. Now that only happens by putting in the time. That graph 
of, of optimism and pessimism starts really optimistic in the beginning. As time goes on, our optimism really starts to fade. More time has to pass before we start to get into that optimistic stage again and we start to realize, okay, I really like this. Now, the reason that new opportunities are so destructive for most people is most people are going to go through that front end cycle of that you. Get excited, start doing the work, decide they don't like it, and say, I'd rather go back. The, the quickest way to end this discomfort is to quit and go back to my current level of whatever I'm doing, and then I'm just going to repeat the cycle or look for another new opportunity. But guess what? That other new opportunity is going to have the exact same cycle. It doesn't really matter what you pick or what you choose to do. You've got to stick with an opportunity for it to become fruitful for you and bear the fruits of the labors that you're putting in. And so, you know, think about if you're running down or, or climbing a mountain, right? Let's you're climbing the mountain to go save the princess and there's a dragon that's holding the princess hostage. And I'm walking up this mountain. Well, what if you had to go up this mountain alone? And every time you turned the corner, there was there were trolls and there were ogres and there were all these scary things that you had to come across and the first ogre that jumped out, you're like, okay, I'm, this is not worth it. I'm running, I'm going back home. But what if you had a guide that said, hey, Sean, be, you, be ready around that corner is an ogre. The best way to get past this ogre is X, Y, and Z. And I'm, I, I, I've got a guide. I'm starting to leverage his knowledge. I'm going to be able to get past this obstacle. And I keep going through this process. And I get all the way up there. And he shows me how to make it up the mountain through all the obstacles defeat the dragon, and then ultimately I get the princess, right? Think of it that way when you're going through a cycle. The, 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 what I want you to figure out is the key is to get through these cycles as fast as possible and stick with them long enough to where you actually get to the end game rather than starting something new, figuring it you don't like to do it, throwing in the towel and then going back and starting something else new. And then ultimately time goes by, more time goes by, our most valuable resources getting wasted because we're not, we're not getting any of the output for the effort that we're putting in because we don't stick with it long enough. And so why am I telling you all these three things? Because I really, really want you to start thinking about this right now. What can you leverage? How can you maximize your time? And how are you going to be aware of when you start something new to get through that emotional cycle of change, get through the valley of despair as fast as possible? And what are you going to do to leverage your own time, money, and knowledge, but also somebody else's time, money, and knowledge? And that takes me now to what we call separation season. We just ended Thanksgiving. We're going into the holidays. One of the key topics and the key themes for the holidays is I'm going to wait to start something new until the first of the year. We do this every single year during the holidays. It's a very common theme. And also during the summertime. Summertime is another great separation season. We, you know, school gets out, family vacations start. And we say, I'm going to wait till family vacations are over. I'm going to wait till the summer vacations are over. I'm super busy, right? We already talked about in the times part, sky's not going to open up and give you more time. You have to decide what priorities are. Now, when everybody else stops, when everybody else decides, I'm going to take this this theme and this topic of the season and wait until the first of the year to do something new. That's why I've always been anti New Year's resolutions. Why am I waiting to the new year to make a resolution? If I want to make a change, I'm going to do it right now. It's why I don't like, I've never run a Black Friday deal. Right now, my, my inboxes are inundated with all these new opportunities at 90% discounts and everything else. We don't do that. If you're going to 
commit to a process. If you're going to find a new opportunity that you're going to run down, somebody's looking to, you're going to, you want to run down, you make a commitment to do it, not because it's on sale, not because it's the time of the season to, to put it off or to start something new in the new years. Do it right now. Now, the huge advantage you have during these separation seasons is a lot of your competition stops doing the same thing you're going to do. And so not only do you gain ground on your competition, most of the year outside of these separation seasons, we're all running down the road about the same, the same speed. And then separation seasons come and everybody slows down. If you slow down with them, you don't gain any ground on them. If you stop, make the same excuses, Give yourself the, the, the say, hey, listen, I'm busy during the holidays. Everybody's busy during the holidays, just so you know. Everybody's busy. So if you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to latch on to this holiday theme and I'm going to wait, well, you're waiting with everybody else. If you don't, all of a sudden you keep going down this road and you keep, you keep progressing every single day towards something that you're trying to build, all of a sudden you're separating from the pack. Now, in the first of the year, when everybody decides to run again, you've got a big head start because you've been working for the last two months. You've been working while everybody else slowed down. More importantly than getting a, getting a step ahead on the competition is not allowing yourself to take those breaks, not allowing yourself to say, I'm going to wait, right? You need to, you want to accelerate your progress. Just don't take breaks. I always tell you guys at the end of every single show and everything I do, I say, pick one thing you can do today to build that life that you don't want to take a vacation from. The point of that is to don't take breaks. You don't have to be running a full on sprint all day, every day, but take steps every single day to progress. And so during these seasons, what we call separation seasons, I think the first time I heard that it coined a separation season was years ago by Ed Milet. And so I don't know, um, we've been talking about separation seasons now for a few years, but the first time I heard that that coined as a separation season was Ed Milet. And I thought it was brilliant because it's, it absolutely defines the seasons that we go through when most of the time we're running we're running with our competition at the same pace we're running down these certain roads but then there's these seasons that are socially acceptable just to hit the brakes and pause and you can gain a lot of ground on your competition call your call your property managers do an audit on your properties switch up the photos figure out what you need to do to to optimize your listings right now there's the as I'm recording this a month or so ago, Airbnb did a huge algorithm change. A lot of hosts are sitting there saying, oh, I think it's the seasons. I don't know what's going on. I'm not getting bookings. But they're not actually auditing the situation. It's most of the time a very easy fix for them to do. And nobody's doing it other than sitting around pointing fingers saying, well, why, what's going on? The markets are bad. The recession's hitting, whatever else. That's not the case. There's more money being spent in this market than ever before. And so if you don't understand that and you're not looking in the mirror and you're not saying, I'm going to do something every single day, now is the easiest time to do it because more people are paying attention. Your dream team has more time with you because nobody else is calling them and asking them. So reach out to them. You can really accelerate your progress during this peak season right now when you think about it. Now, what's in front of us today that is not as in front of us that often, in fact, the last time it was in front of us was in 2008, 9 and 10, is we've got a separation season in the markets. We've got a shifting around market. And there's a lot of things going on right now in the markets that are showing us huge opportunities to get ahead. There's a lot of people sitting on the sidelines and saying, okay, I'm gonna wait and see how things shake out. When people start waiting, it's your clue 
to start running and saying, okay, everybody's starting to wait. I'm going to take note of why they're waiting. I'm going to pay attention to the details in the market. I'm not saying run blindly into this, but I'm saying if you're in the game or you're thinking about getting in the game, not only do we have the season of the holidays to our advantage, you also have the markets to our advantage. And right now that you wait till the first of the year when everybody's running down this road, all of a sudden predictions that I'm hearing, and and, and I don't know, I, I don't predict this stuff on very regular basis. So I look for guys a lot smarter than me with the look at economics of different things is they feel like that the markets are going to start to recover pretty strongly by, and guys, at least that I follow that I feel like have a decent track record somewhere in the April to May timeframe. And that's the markets. That's like the, that's the economy in general. That's inflation being under control in general. I'm not talking specifically about short-term rental markets. I'm just talking about as in general, the economy is supposed to start to see a fairly decent recovery according to them by April and May. Well, if you only have a few months, right? And we've already been in this for already a few months. If you've got a five or six months left to separate yourself and to really build wealth and really accelerate your progress, why wouldn't you take advantage of that? And so my challenge to you is look in the mirror, ask yourself, are you using leverage to your advantage, both time, money, and knowledge? Are you understanding how to compress time, multiply time? What are you doing to buy yourself more time in the future? What are you doing today? Are you leveraging somebody else's knowledge? Are you leveraging somebody else's tools? Are you able to build some yourself? What are you doing to leverage that and multiply your time in the future? And then what opportunity are you going to focus on and stick with long enough to see the fruits of your labor? And then take advantage of these seasons that we have in front of us. So guys, I'm going to stop for today. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. I hope this was valuable. I hope it made sense. I hope it all ties back together. And, and the challenge that I always leave you is pick one thing you can do today to build that life you don't want to take a vacation from. That is the point of what we're trying to do right now is to take steps every single day. Don't let off the gas right now. I really, really hope you don't. Not only to gain ground on your competition, but to not let yourself, not allow yourself to, to pause any momentum that you've already started building or to, or to put off what you say you want, to put off this opportunity or this road that you say you want to run down. There's no better time to start than today on anything that you say is a priority and is important for you, whatever that may be. And so guys, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me. As always, you're the best part of this show. I don't run any ads on this. We have offers to run ads all the time. I try to keep it ad-free so that you can just listen and gain value from it. If you get any value from it, I really appreciate you sharing this, giving us a like, giving us a review. It takes one second to give us a thumbs up or a five-star review if you enjoyed it. Share it with somebody you know. If you have 30 seconds, we'd love you to write out a review on those platforms. Those things really, really do help us, whether it's on, on the, your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube. And then as always, go pick one thing you can do today to build that life you don't want to take a vacation from. Cheers, my friends. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. Share this with other people you think need to hear about it. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Hey, Grace, is there a website? Yes! For more amazing content and expert advice, visit bodice.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.